Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing you a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. How cool is that? I'm Dean, hashtag my mom says my hair's too high, Windsor. And today we have a great show for you. We have sermons from Florida and New York. And first up is Pastor Drew Karshner at Northridge Church in Rochester. And his sermon is from their sermon series called You Kiss Your Mom With That Mouth? Yep, it's going there. And this week, he's dealing with having an overly critical tongue and the harm it causes. This message may sting a little bit, but it's going to be great and it's going to be worth it. And next, we go to Tampa, Florida with Pastor Christopher Harris at Crossover Church. He's in their 2020 Vision Sermon Series, something I can get with. And he's talking about blurry vision or those things that stop us from achieving our goals. He offers some biblical advice on how to combat blurry vision. And lastly, we go to Cape Coral, Florida with Pastor Corey Demmel at Cape Christian Church. He's still in their Jumpstart Sermon Series. And this week, he wants us to focus on our hearts and making sure we do proper maintenance. Remember, you got to check that check oil light. And I'll be joined in studio by the one and only Lucia Nazaro, a Christian therapist. And she's going to help us break down these messages because I could use some therapy. And right now, let's go to Northridge Church with Pastor Drew. But I would bet that many of us can relate to my five-year-old daughter because there's a lot of times in our lives where our mouth gets us into trouble or maybe your kid's mouth gets you into trouble. There's, the, the, there's those moments in life where that filter doesn't catch what it should and it just comes out and immediately you're like, what did I just say? And why did I just say that to my boss? You see, we, we all have issues sometimes with our mouth. And the good news is we're starting a brand new series called You Kiss Your Mother With That Mouth. We're going to be talking about the power of our words, that our words truly do matter. And in this series, more specifically, we're going to talk about the three problems that our mouths actually bring into our relationship, into our circumstances. And the first problem we're going to talk about in this series is the problem of criticism. The problem of people who just love, enjoy, focus on critiquing people, calling out their faults. And let me be clear this morning, as we jump into this conversation about criticism, I am not talking today about the helpful, constructive criticism that will actually help people grow. What I'm talking about this morning is the rude, unkind, uninformed type of criticism that is honestly rampant throughout our culture. You've experienced it, you know it. And here's what my guess might be for many of us this morning is we actually hear the introduction of this message and we're like, yes, I've been waiting for this message. Because you know what? My boss or my spouse needs to hear it. Can I get an amen? And we're like, man, I'll share this on Facebook with all the people who I know in my life have critiqued me. Shame on them, right? But, but can we just start at this foundation and realize that not only do I need this message, but we probably all need this message because our words matter. And here's what I know about the general public. Here's what I know about just in general of people is we love critiquing, but we hate being critiqued. We love, it's almost what comes natural to us is this ability to find faults in everybody else, but of course ourselves. And we're, we're good at it. We really are. I mean, especially Christians. Christians are really good at, at nitpicking and, and finding faults in, in everything, in every situation, and people. But the moment 
the tables are turned. And you're no longer critiquing, but you are being critiqued. Whoa, hold on a second. No one said we could talk about us, me. Like, oh, that's just a no-fly zone, right? Because we love to critique, but we don't like to be critiqued. And the Bible actually talks a lot about our words, talks a lot about criticism and, 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 and the negative impacts of it. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul, he says this. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is actually a, a pretty famous passage in the Bible where the apostle Paul talks about the Old Testament law. And he says, you know, the whole law, the Ten Commandments, all of it, the Mosaic law, you can take it all and concentrate it into this one command. Love people, love your neighbor as the way you would love. Very similar to what the gospel say as the golden rule. We know the golden rule comes straight out of the Bible, treat people the way you want to be treated. So the apostle Paul says, in your relationships, we must learn to, to love, to speak to people the way we want to be spoken to. And what's fascinating is actually what he says next. In the next verse, he says this, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, now if you zoom in here, what's, what's, what's amazing about the apostle Paul is he's talking about in your relationships, here's what love should look like. But right after he says that, he warns us of our critical words. He warns us of our fault finding because he realizes that if we truly live that way, we'll wreck the relationships that we actually long for and, and love. He says, be careful because your words matter. Be careful because your criticism can do a lot of damage, damage that might actually not be repairable. Now, it's interesting, it's almost as if the Apostle Paul is saying, maybe the barrier, the barrier, your critical words actually might be the barrier to the destination you want to get to. Let's think about it like this in the context of marriage. Maybe things have been hard in your marriage lately. You've been dealing through some frustrations and, and you wanna have intimacy in your marriage and, and maybe the Apostle Paul is suggesting that, that your critical words are actually the barrier to the intimacy that you long for in your marriage. Maybe it's the nitpicking of your spouse or, or the constant critique of your husband or your wife that is actually blocking you from the intimacy that you long for in your marriage. Or maybe it's, it's with your kids, right? You, as parents, we long to have a close relationship with our children. And maybe the Apostle Paul is suggesting that your critical words, your, your, your nitpicking, calling out all your kids' flaws is the actual barrier between you and having a close relationship with your kids. Or maybe even worse, maybe it's the barrier, your critical words are the barrier from actually sharing the gospel in your workplace. Because your coworker is saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to hear about your loving God because I don't see any love in you. And, and he's suggesting in your relationships, we, we, you want to take the whole law and fulfill it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, be careful, though, because your criticism can do a whole lot of damage. All right. That was Pastor Drew Karshner. And joining me today is Lucia Nazaro. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. All right. Let's dive in. Let's okay. go right in because I know this is one of your things, yeah. too. So as a therapist, you have to deal with this constantly, right? Criticism, horrible thing, horrible sure. habit, right? Yeah. Um, why do you think it is like that we have this, is it like something psychological where we feel a need because we've been criticized and we have to criticize others or is it just this kind of crazy need to, I don't know, have like a negative outlet for things? Yeah, so negative self-talk is what 
you're referring to, that can come from a variety of places. It can be from family of origin, it can be genetic predisposition, it can be society and all the messages we get. But the important thing is what do we do with it, right? What yeah. do you do with negative self-talk? We have 95% of the same thoughts every day. Isn't really? that crazy? Yeah. So, and 80% of them are negative because of all of those influences that I just talked about. So there's something called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you okay. can literally take a thought and rewire it because it's just, your brain's a loop. So you're looping negative self-talk over and over and over and you want to break that loop. Okay, so now how would you break the loop? Okay, <laughs> without well, without like charging. I was gonna say we need like session. three hours yeah. <laughs> or four hours. What are the cliff um, notes? But it's really catching yourself in the middle of the thought. So do you ever beat yourself up with Always. negative self talk? So what's something yeah. that you say to yourself? That was an idiot move. Okay, so <laughs> I say that at least ten times a day. If you were someone I was working with, we'd have to work through that a little bit more because <laughs> I think there's a lot underneath there. But um. It's just catching that thought, that was an idiot move, and saying, you know what, that was, I'm not an idiot just because something I did wasn't what I wanted to do, and reframing that, essentially. All right, cool. Well, thank you, and apparently we still need to book that session because we've been talking <laughs> about this for a while. <laughs> but right now we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Drew Karshner, but right now I want to get to Pastor Christopher down in Tampa, Florida. Let's go ahead and check him out. So when, when the Bible talks about seeing and the Bible talks about vision, it's a metaphor. Everybody say metaphor. It, it's a metaphor for how we see spiritually. It's a metaphor for how we see our lives. And so in this case today, in Mark chapter number 8, where we see a blind man who can't see, it's a metaphor for people who live their lives in a blurry fashion. Now what's interesting is I want to argue this point today from a scriptural and a theological context that this man was not born blind. Which is to suggest that some people that are born blind, as a metaphor, live their entire lives not being able to see a preferred picture. Some people spend their entire lives and go through their whole life not being able to see a, prefer a preferred picture and they literally die, never accomplishing what God put them on the earth to accomplish. But this man was not born blind, which is to suggest to all of us that many people can actually start seeing Brother Josh and at some point something happens in their life that causes them to stop seeing. How do you argue that point, Pastor Christopher? Because there's two things that happens in the Scripture. The first thing that happens in the Scripture is, is that I see is that at the end of the passage, the Bible says that Jesus restores the man's sight. Now, if he restores his sight, that lets us know that at one point he could actually fully see. Right? The second thing that we see in the text is this, that the man says when Jesus touches him the first time, even though he has blurry vision or the details are not clear, the Bible says that he sees men walking like trees. So if you've never seen before, how do you know what trees look like? Don't worry, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. So, so, so we clearly see that at some point in this man's life, he could see. Somebody say see. So, so, so let me walk through the text just for a moment because we get, we get a clear picture that, that at some point he had his sight 
but he loses them. So there's, there's five things that I want to give you context for today as we walk through this message. Here, here they are, and I'm going to give them to you all at one time so that you won't be confused about what I'm saying today. Here's the first thing. I want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about the problem that this man has, the problem that he has. The second thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the place where they were, the place where they were. The third thing is I want to talk about the people, the people that were involved in this situation. The fourth thing is, I want to talk about the predicament that arose as a result of the man's problem. And then finally, I want to talk about the progress that God, that Jesus gives this man. Everybody say problem. Here it is, really deep. No, not really, really simple. The man couldn't see. The problem was, he had no sight. He literally could not see. And, and this man, he represents those folks, watch this, who don't have clear vision of the details of your life. You, you don't know what God's timetable is. I don't care how often you've heard somebody say, he may not come when you want him, but he always shows up on time. There are times and seasons of your life where you can get restless. Somebody say amen right there. There are times and seasons of your life where you wonder, God, when in fact are you going to show up? I've been praying, I've been serving, I've been seeking, I've been asking, I've been knocking, I've been asking the pastor to pray for me, I've had other people to pray for me, I've been listening to these sermons and applying these sermons, but God, when are you going to move on my behalf? All right, there's Pastor Christopher, and he's bringing up a really cool point here, and that is... I didn't even know it was really possible to be able to become blind to goodness. Like, is it to become blind to goodness in God's will? Yeah, I think we do it every day, right? Instead of looking at the goodness and the greatness, we focus on all the negative things happening, mm -hmm. even in our small interactions. Instead of, um, I have the money to buy a coffee, I look at, I'm standing in line and I'm waiting five minutes to go purchase this. And to me, I hear gratitude, right? He's talking about how do we stay grateful even when things aren't going our way, the small things and the big things. And back to what we were talking about earlier, changing our thoughts and rewiring our brain. Gratitude is proven to rewire your brain for positivity. So if you want to change self-talk, three things that you're grateful for every day or in a circumstance, look at the goodness, look at the greatness, don't look at the negative. All right. So basically it's a situation where, okay, I can't afford to sit and eat an entire pizza, but I can afford a slice. Good? Exactly, exactly. Right. That's a good, right. That's okay, a positive cool. self-talk. So, I, so it's basically, that's the little things. Right, how grateful am I, how blessed am I that I can eat this piece of pizza, yeah, I can even if I can't have the whole pie. Yeah. yeah, I'm so sorry to the folks at home that I'm focusing on food because I'm You're hungry. hungry right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, but this is great though. So now we can start, we have like an idea where we can start to focus so we can get into more of the positive and not be so blind to goodness. And uh, right now, I want to head over to Pastor Corey Demmel and see what he's talking about today. Let's go ahead and check him out. We had a guest speaker at the men's breakfast yesterday. His car broke down. I had to almost go get him because when your car breaks down, it really affects a lot of other things in your life, right? Well, I believe that our heart is a lot like our car. I believe that your heart is what moves you through life, that gets you moving towards where you wanna go. It dictates your, your path. And when your heart gets broke down, jammed up, gets stuck, it really affects every other part of your life. 
I believe that your heart, just like your car, is moving you down the path. And, and, and sometimes our hearts break down and it'll affect our relationships. It'll affect our dreams. It'll affect our aspirations. And it really can have an effect on every other area of our life. And here's my question is it, why is it that we seem to wait until we can't go any further before we decide to fix or change something? What is it about us? Why is it that we wait till we seem not to go any further? It's like, you know, we take the car to the mechanic. They're like, you need to change this and you need to change that. Like, no, I just want the oil changed. I just need to keep it going. Just keep it going, keep it going. And then it finally, like all the wheels fall off. It explodes. You're like, well, I think we need to do something different now. You know, it's like, yeah, we've been telling you this. And, and our cars are wired uh, to have lights that give us warning signs, right? We all have lights. Now we all have the check engine light that never goes off, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your blinker fluid. I'm talking about air tire pressure. I'm talking about wiper fluid. I'm talking about heating. You have lights on your dashboard that says, hey, alert, alert, warning, warning. Things aren't running properly. You need to do some maintenance. And if you don't, if you don't look at this, if you don't take some time and attention to work on this, things could get a lot worse. They could become more dangerous and they could harm people and they could cost you a lot more. I believe our heart is the exact same way. God wired us that our heart and our mind and our body gives us warning signs. Now, it may not be as obvious as the yellow check engine light, but I believe that we have things that come out of us. You may react a certain way. You might find yourself being depressed or angry or just really irritable or tired or unmotivated or, or really sad or you, you just lost motivation. You might find yourself. And all of those things aren't just like, well, it is what it is. No, those are your heart saying, I'm sending you some warning signs. There's some things coming out that don't normally come out when you're operating function, functioning normally. And I believe that your heart probably needs some maintenance. And if you would bring your heart to the chief mechanic, Jesus, that perhaps he wants to do a little bit of maintenance so you can keep moving down the road, going the direction and going the way he wants you to go, being who you've been made to be, experiencing the joy and the peace and the purpose and the full life that God has for us. I believe it's for this reason that this scripture is in the Bible. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It was written by one of the wisest men ever. In Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, he says, this is Solomon, a king of Israel. He says, I got a lot going on, but here's what he says. Above all else, say above all. Above, above all, what does that mean above all? <laughs> You're so smart. It means above all, pastor. Uh, it means first. It means like, hey, check it out. I know you got things. I know you got places to be. I know you got places you got to go, things you got to get to. And there's a lot going on. You got dreams. You got the business. You got the family. You got the... But before you do all that, like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. It, what it really means is the Latin word, yo, wait. He says, before you do all that, above all else, before you get going, he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Watch this. For everything you do flows from it. So I think our question today, what I wanna ask is, how are we doing guarding our heart? How is our heart? What's going on in there? Because the Bible, our loving Heavenly Father is saying, hey, I know you got plans and you're going, but some of you, maybe, maybe some of us are like our car. It's like, man, we've been going, it's got miles, it's got wear and tear, and we know it needs fixing, but as long as I can get some gas and I can get some oil, I'm gonna keep going. And you don't have to wait till it all falls apart, all breaks down, all hits rock bottom. Maybe, just maybe, if you had this ongoing relationship where God was saying, hey, let me have access to your heart. I wanna keep you moving down the road. Our heart and our body give us warning signs. And I wonder if some of us, to jumpstart a new year, to jumpstart a new decade, to jumpstart this relationship with God, to be who we were made to be, rather than do more and create goals, maybe, 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 just maybe at the beginning of this time, God is saying, hey, first, let's, let's talk about your heart. All right, Pastor Corey Demwell, I love the way he's using kind of this metaphor for our emotions and our hearts having this like check engine light and... Yeah. You know, things like pain and, and depression can all be these warning signals. 
But he's also saying to guard our hearts. Now, I know there has to be a difference between, because we're not supposed to be on like total lockdown, right? So there yeah. has to be a difference between kind of guarding our hearts and, and but still remaining open, you know? So kind of what, what's the difference here? I think I would just say it a little differently. I okay. would say listen to your heart or your emotions okay. and protect your mind and emotions. So when you have those warning signals, I always like to say too that you can get off at any time. You don't need to... If your car has a check engine light go off, you can go get your engine checked. You yeah. don't need to wait to the end, right? Okay. So that's listening to your heart and being more attuned to what's going on and paying attention. And the protection part is taking action when you do see that check engine light go on. Guarding just feels a little harsh to me. Does that make sense? No, no, it makes perfect sense. Because, yeah. yeah, when you say guarding, you think immediately of bars and, and guys, yeah. you know, security guards and things like that. So, yeah, no, and, and I know that we're supposed to remain open to people. And, you know, it kind of stinks sometimes because you hear a lot about, I mean, a buzzword now and something that people like to call themselves a lot now is, is empaths, right? Is right. empathy. So everybody thinks they're an empath now, which is, could be totally true. So what would, you know, to feel other people's emotions, can that kind of leave you open even more though to? Well, being an empath doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to feel other people's emotions. It means you understand their emotions. Okay. So there's a really big difference between saying, I understand what you're going through and okay. I, I'm acknowledging it and I'm gonna take it on and feel it as my own. So it's- Which can a, be harmful. Exactly, that is harmful. All right, yeah. see, we're learning new stuff every day here on Ambo TV, and we're gonna take a break, but we'll be right back with more Lucia Nazaro. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Corey Demel, but right now, I wanna get back to Pastor Drew Karshner. So how do we tame our tongue? I'm gonna talk about two ways. The first way is a really practical way. We wanna help you in this journey. And as we start this series, we did something. Our creative team did something unique. See, as you leave this morning, um, we're gonna give you a gift. A gift that we custom made for you. See, at all of our campuses as you leave, and if you're watching online, this is why it's really important to come to one of our local campuses because you miss out on some cool things like this. So as you leave today and you go to our exits, you'll see a bucket or, or some form of thing holding a bunch of chapstick. It's a good time for chapstick. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's lips are dry. On this chapstick, here's what it says. We custom made it. It says, speak life. And then it has Ephesians 4 on the bottom of it. And here's the whole goal of this chapstick. It's not for you to have moist lips, by the way, just for, for point of reference. The whole purpose of this chapstick is for you to put it in your pocket when you, go, when you leave here today. Put it in your pocket in your home. Put it in your pocket at work. And the moment you go to find fault in somebody, the moment you go to criticize someone in a negative way, you know what you need to do? Put on some chapstick. <laughs> and I don't care how glossy your lips get. You keep putting on chapstick, okay? And I'll just be honest, you know, we ordered a little extra. If you need to take two, just go ahead and take two. Okay? But in all seriousness, this might be just a, a simple reminder to tell you to shut up. In Jesus' name, I mean, obviously. But I'm not naive enough to think that this is our solution. 
I think this can help in the meantime, in these three weeks. But what I know about your chapstick is like my chapstick, maybe some of your chapsticks won't even make it out of the auditorium you're in. Some of you, your children are going to eat this chapstick. (laughs) Or you're gonna find it in the wash destroyed. And so I'm not banking on this to be our solution. I know what our solution is. Our solution is us coming back to this truth that God sees our faults, but offers us hope. Here's the amazing thing about the gospel is the gospel is actually the thing that will hold your mouth. The gospel is the thing that will remind you to speak life into people. It's not a chapstick, it's the, what Jesus accomplished for you. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus is, you know what, he knows all of our faults. He sees them, but yet he doesn't hold them against us. But in the midst of our sin and our disobedience, God delivered hope to us. Here, I want us to lean in this morning because this is really important. Being a hope dealer doesn't mean that you won't see faults. The Bible is clear, we all have faults. We're sinners fallen short of the glory of God. And so faults are everywhere. It's impossible to go through life and interact with people and not see faults. Hope dealers see the faults. You know what they don't do is they don't hold those faults against people. They don't remind people of their faults, but actually seeing people's faults can be a positive. Do you wanna know why? Because it puts a bullseye on where we need to deliver hope. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus saw us in our sin. God saw us and all of our faults and what our faults did was created a bullseye for God to do his most generous act where he took his son and he found the bullseye of our sin and he said, I'm gonna deliver hope right in the darkest places of your life. And I'm gonna give you my son and he's gonna go to a cross and he's gonna die and three days later, he's gonna give you the victory over your mouth and everything that comes in life's way. You know what that's called? Hope. We all need it at certain times in life. And the hope of the gospel is the hope that we cling to today. Watch your mouth. It's hard. It's really hard. So now we'll take jobs and sign agreements that say we'll never say anything bad on Twitter or or social media about our companies. But we seem to fail when it comes to God. And we won't do the same for God. So like, let's say you and I were writing a Christian handbook, employee handbook, four chapters, give me titles to four chapters. And I think it'd be a handbook for interactions with people too. Okay. All right, I have four four chapters. So faith, hope, love, and grace. And I think the most important is grace to start off with. Okay, now why would you start off with grace as first? Because we don't offer each other enough grace when we speak to each other, especially negatively what he's talking about and to God as well. I mean. God doesn't do things in our time and we're mad at God, right? There's no grace there that he's working on our behalf. And same for our partners. We were talking about relationships before. We don't offer our partners enough grace that they may have a bad day or do something not in the time that we want them to. And just extending grace is the difference between a negative attitude and a positive, happy, joyous one. Okay, and your second pick for most important? Well, love, because I feel like love just encapsulates all of it. All right, so grace and love, the two most important chapters in the handbook of being a Christian. I love it, we're gonna write that book, Lucia and I, and right now, I wanna get back over to Pastor Christopher. Let's go ahead and check him out. Interesting, because God can use different methods 
for each one of us. That's why it's dangerous for you and I to look at somebody's Facebook or social media and compare our lives to theirs. Because you, let's be honest, some of us, God had to like reach down and pull us out of tragedy for us to get his, for him to get our attention. Some of us, Jesus had to scare, scare us to death to get life, right? Others of us, he just had to tap us on the shoulder and say, don't do that, come on over here. And we're like, okay, I got it, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, right? Others of us, there had to be music that had to draw us. Darnell and Remix, they had to come up here and do calisthenics and, and gymnastics. And we had to be in the audience, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. All right, Jesus. Yes, Lord, right? Other people, it took somebody that had some education because we had some questions that needed to be answered and had to sit down and explain apologetics to us or theology to us in a deep way. And once we understood it and got understanding in that way, then we said, okay, I can give my life to this because now I understand it. God uses different methods to reach different people. And so the Bible shows us by spitting on the man's eyes that God sometimes can use strange things to make strange things happen. Here's the other thing that this shows us. They're going to put this on the screen. The other thing that this shows us is this, y'all. And I've been guilty of this at points in my life. That oftentimes we ask God to do something in our lives, but we also want to dictate the process that God uses. And here's what they're going to put on the screen. Here's what I want them to put on the screen. That, that I want you to fall more in love with God than your plans. Here it is. Hold on to God tighter than you hold on to your plans. Hold on to God tighter. Because when you hold on to God tighter, even if the details change, even if the plans change, you still got God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Here's, here's the second predicament that we have. The second predicament that we have is that <laughs> Jesus asked this man, can you see anything? Jesus, didn't you just touch the man? Didn't you just spit on him? But you're asking, is the miracle real? Did the miracle happen? I find it interesting that Jesus does this, and the clear message is this, that sometimes Jesus heals in stages. Sometimes your miracles and your breakthroughs only happen in stages. Sometimes God can move, but sometimes it only happens with time. There's, there's a thing called a microwave. There's a thing called a microwave. How many of y'all have microwaves in your houses? All right. Most of, us, most of us love microwaves. We love microwaves. They're fast and they're quick, Michelle, and they're easy. But, but here's, here's the problem with microwaves. Some of us forget about this other thing that many of us have in our kitchens that I want to reintroduce you to. I want to reintroduce you to it. It's really easy to work. It works great. And it does some good stuff. Go ahead and put that image up for me, Jason. It's called a stove. Crowd, stove. Stove, meet the crowd. Hear me, y'all. There's some food that don't work, work as well in the microwave. 
there's some food, not only do you need to let it marinate over time, but then you need to put it in the stove to let it slow cook. I, I don't, I don't want to eat your steak from the microwave. If you invite me and my family over for dinner and you cooked your steak in the microwave, I'll be like, thanks, but no thanks. Some things take time. And that's what I want to pray for you today for. I want to pray because some of you have been operating in blurry vision because you've been doing everything with a microwave mindset. A microwave mindset. I like that. That's, that's, I love that. Right? Yeah. So we've really been spoiled by the microwave. So once you've been spoiled by something that makes things that convenient for you, is there any, like truly, is there a way to go back to doing things the old way? I wouldn't even think of it as going back. I think that the whole premise is wrong to begin with. You okay. could never only rely on the microwave, right? Okay. Is what he was saying and sort People of- People try it though. Right, you try <laughs> to rely on the microwave for everything, but it's yeah. just not possible to have some really good stuff. You need the stove too. Yeah. So it's acknowledging that your expectations and the equipment you were using <laughs> was kind of faulty to begin with and then learning how to integrate new equipment and expectations into your life. Okay, so that can tie, that can kind of tie into the way, you know, some people may look at faith as this, yeah. you know, they're looking for a quick blessing or a quick, and, and it doesn't work like that. Aren't we looking for quick everything, quick faith, quick love, quick career, quick yeah. everything, and that's just not how it works. Yeah, no, we gotta stop that, y'all. Don't <laughs> come fast, this is not, Jesus does not run McDonald's here. Uh, we're going to go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying, it's not McDonald's Bible. Uh, we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, home of the next generation pastors. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Christopher down in Tampa. But right now, I want to get back to Pastor Corey Demmel. Let's go ahead and check him out. In fact, I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of the people standing here listening and those who are reading 2,000 years later, that they would believe that you sent me, that, you would, that they would believe that I am who you say I am. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. This is a bold move. <laughs> He's been dead a, a minute, a hot minute. He stinks. Now we've seen Jesus pray for people and heal people. We've even seen people that we thought went from sickness to death and then he laid his hands on them and they came back to life. But we've never seen him call somebody out of eternity, out of the grave who've been gone. And he says, hey, Lazarus, come on out. And, and all of a sudden, this mummy walks out of a tomb. It says the dead man, and this is what's so interesting. I want, you to, I want to say this. Watch what it says. It says the dead man. What was his name? But the story says he was a dead man. There's going to be people that want to try to tell you your story, and they're going to try to attach your past to who you are. But he was no longer the dead man. He was Lazarus. And so if you have an identity or a label that's following you from your past, know that that's not Jesus. He was always Lazarus to Jesus. He was, a he was a dead man to the readers, but he was his brother. He was, Jesus. He was Lazarus to Jesus. Some of you, you, you have permission to get rid of a couple of labels today. Some stuff that the world has said because you were divorced or because you went bankrupt or because you whatever. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I don't play that. You're Lazarus. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're Jill. You're, 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 you're Raekwon. You're, you fill in the blank. Whatever you're, my, hello, my name is. Whatever, mine's Corey. There you go. <laughs> I come here to tell you that. 
His hands, now watch this. I love how this story ends, last scripture. It says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Why? That's how they buried people. Jesus said to them immediately, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, there's so much in this story. I could probably pull different things for four weeks and we would have so much to glean from. But there's two observations I want to make about this story. First of all, I love that Jesus did something that we've never seen. He literally pulled somebody from the grave. But first, I want to go back to the scripture we all just memorized, which was, look at you. You're the smartest church in America. <laughs> What'd you do in church today? Oh, I'll just memorize the Bible. No big deal. What'd you guys do? Uh, go back to verse 35. Jesus wept. Why did the Bible put this in here? Why is that there? And I think it's so important. This is one of our first takeaways from the story. Jesus, upon seeing the grief and seeing the hurt and the loss of Lazarus and how it affected all the people that loved him, Jesus so cared about their pain and their grief and their loss. In fact, the first thing I want to say is that Jesus cares about your pain. He cares. He was moved to tears. He was so moved that they were lost and there was grieving and that he looked, it says he looked upon Lazarus and he was moved. And so you need to know if you are in pain, you're carrying shame. If you're, if your life is broken, if your heart is broken, you have a God of the universe, not just that wants to solve your problem, but he probably cares more than any person on the planet ever will about your current situation. And here's my favorite part about this. What did Jesus come to Bethany to do? Raise Lazarus from the dead, right? So even though Jesus already knew how the story was going to end, he already knew the death to life. He knew the healing. He knew the resurrection. He knew the good things that were coming. He knew what was on the other side. He didn't get so caught up in the future that he didn't care about the here and now. What does that mean? I believe some of you, your life, your heart is broken. You've, you've been broken down. And God has this other side. He's got this future. He's got this hope, this healing, this, this freedom, this forgiveness, this, this freedom from your past. And I think some of us, maybe we think that, well, when I get there, then God will love me or he'll be proud of me. But you need to know that there is a God in heaven who cares so much about the here and now that your pain and your story matters to him. Even though he knows what's on the other side, he knows what he has for you. The experience and the turmoil that you're experiencing right now really matters to him. I think there is so much comfort in the fact that the person who has the ability to move me through this brokenness also cares more than anybody else ever will. That's why I, one of the many reasons I serve and love Jesus, because not only is he gonna help me walk through it, but he cares. You, he, I said last week, there's nothing we've experienced. He hasn't experienced. He gets it. He knows pain. He knows loss. And so Jesus cares about your pain. There's somebody, there's people you're watching, you're listening, and maybe feels like nobody else cares. And, and it really might be true. Right now, there may not be a human on the planet that has the capacity to understand and care, but I want to tell you, Jesus does. Jesus does. And it really, really, really matters. So much that he would weep. When you weep, he weeps with you. When you hurt, he hurts with you. When you break down, he cares. He's not just like, well, suck it up. You have little faith. Don't you know what I'm about to do anyway? That's not his posture to us. But some of us, we feel that way. He's like, hey, man, hey, girl, hey, daughter, hey, son. I'm, I know what's coming, but I know right now is really hard. So if you will hold on and trust me and stick with me, we're going to get through this. But I just want you to know I hurt because you hurt. Some of you, your healing and your freedom starts with knowing that if you're addicted, he hurts because you're addicted. He's not mad because you're addicted. He, he's hurt because you're hurt. He's not waiting for you to get better and clean yourself up and then come to him. That's so awesome about our Jesus. Then the second part is, I love the first, what's the first thing Jesus did after he says, hey, Lazarus, come out. What's the first thing he did? He didn't go send him on his way. He didn't give him a mission. He didn't go hug him. Watch what he says. As soon as he came out, he says, hey, take off his grave clothes. And this is so significant. 
This is so significant because Jesus doesn't just care about your pain, but he will free you from your past. See, the grave clothes, he was alive, but he would have literally been almost looked like a mummy where it says his feet and his hands and his body was wrapped and there was cloth around his head. So he had come back to life. He had been resurrected, but he was so unbelievably limited. And had he lived like this the rest of his life, he wouldn't have been able to see. He wouldn't have been able to walk. He wouldn't have been able to use his hands. He wouldn't have been able to do normal everyday things. And I think it's a great picture of how some of us are living. We've put our faith in Jesus. We've put our hope in Jesus. We've actually been resurrected from death to life. But the reality is we're still dragging our grave clothes around with us. We're dragging our past. There's all these symptoms and symbols of our past, of our death, of the the things that were dead in our past. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to free you from that. You don't have to be limited. I didn't bring you back to life to be like, look at his life. It sucks. He can't do nothing. I brought you back to life so you could experience this full, joy-filled, purpose-filled, kingdom-minded, kingdom-building, peace in the middle of a storm, always have a savior, never gonna leave you, never gonna forsake you life. So you gotta take some of those grave clothes off. All right, here's Pastor Corey Demmel giving a really powerful message and, and you know, using the story of Lazarus kind of to, to show how our past can be super binding and, and kind of inhibit us. And he's saying, you know, just kind of shed it. But for some people, especially with trauma, like if some if people have been through a traumatic experience, yeah. it can't be, it sounds simple to just like let it go, but it can't be that easy. So is there a way to, and I know it's a big one, I'm throwing big ones at you. Yeah. So to just kind of treat our past as something as light as clothing and not as these huge heavy weights that are chained to us? I think it depends on the nature of the past. Like you mentioned trauma. Trauma is pretty significant. It literally changes a part of your brain. Okay. It makes it um, it makes it bigger or smaller depending on um, what's happened to you. So there are rewirings that occur that you just can't naturally shed, but you can use God in the process of healing, absolutely. And you can look at, we call it a strengths-based perspective, which means looking at the strengths that you use through those hard times. Um, and applying them to your current situations or helping you use those to let go of those past situations. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, in short. Yeah. I'm trying to look like I look smart. <laughs> so yeah, sure, of course that makes sense. Yeah, no, but because I, I know that it, it just, everybody just kind of wants to be happy, right? But we tend to hold on to these things that keep us sad. And Yeah, I think happiness too isn't, I call this an unrealistic emotional expectation. Okay. I've sort of come up with that. I love it. It basically means <laughs> yeah. that we shouldn't aim for happiness, right? There's so many different emotions, depending on who you talk to, there's any 14 different emotions. And a lot of them are what we've coined as negative emotions. So okay. we want to be able to feel all of them and feel good through all of them. So that should be the goal, is if you feel sadness, knowing that it's gonna pass and that you're gonna feel happy again or you're gonna feel joy. So it's being okay with all the emotions life's gonna throw at you. That's a healthy person. I love that. That is a really good explanation on that. And I I mean, hey, if you're feeling bad, being able to get through it and you know, be happy again, that's kind of the gift. That's what we're all looking for. And uh, we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Some of us, maybe we've been told or we've been thought that if I come to church, that's like bringing my heart to the mechanic. Can I just tell you that one hour a week out of 168 hours, this is not bringing your heart to the mechanic. All this is is putting gas in the car. 
Church is just putting gas in the car. Yeah, it'll probably get you to the next week, but for you to have your heart in the mechanic is a personal time with Jesus on a regular basis. All right, there's Pastor Corey Demmel wrapping it up for us. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guest to give the folks at home a Bible scripture that kind of ties into what our pastor was saying. Do you have something? I do. All so right. Jeremiah 29, 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And what that means to me is just like any relationship, when you put in an hour a week, it's not gonna go very far. But if you really seek and search for what you're looking for in that relationship with God and spend the time throughout the week, you're gonna seek and find the relationship that you want with God. So it takes time, all relationships do. All right, Lucia, thank you for that. That was amazing. Yeah. Promise you'll come back. Okay. Okay, and I definitely <laughs> have to book that session too. And uh, to our partnering churches, Northridge Church with Pastor Drew, Crossover Church with Pastor Chris, and Cape Christian Church with Pastor Corey. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. Please keep them coming. To see the complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. We never let you down. And you can always sign up for our daily newsletter. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. If you're not listening, get to listening now. Thank you guys for watching. Good night, and I'll see you next week.